welcome back to episode 22 of the House of Ops podcast. I'm Bruce Tom. I'm Joe. And I am Mike. And today we have an album and a beer. We have chosen uh, Fair to Midland's Fable from a Mayfly, What I Tell You Three Times is True. <laughs> Bit of a mouthful, but it's okay. And uh, we have chosen to pair uh, Undivided, which is a, uh, was it the... Aspetuck Brew Lab version of it? Yes. Can you explain a little bit about that for yeah. me? Yeah, so we'll get right into the beer. So um, I'll just explain pretty quickly. This is a very important beer right now. Um, it is called Undivided. It is a 6% IPA. Um, but Aspetuck Brew Lab in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yes. And the Connecticut Brewers Guild, which is kind of an organization that supports breweries and advertises what's going on with them. And um, So the Guild and Aspetuck came together and they... Um, came up with this beer. It's an open source beer project. They created the base recipe for it. And then any brewery that wants to sign on to it to sell the beer can put their own spin on it, their mm-hmm. own, you know, add a different hop into it and yep. make their own version of it. And they're going to sell it. And then all, you know, proceeds of the beers will go directly to the Brewers Guild to help yeah. support them through this time of the pandemic. That's awesome. They've been, uh, they've been hurting. Um, Mm-hmm. So, but, it, you know, that's kind of my understanding of it. But instead of uh, me, you know, trying to do my best job of explaining what's going on, let me leave it to the professionals. I have a couple um, audio clips from um, Pete Coles from Aspetuck, one of the brewers there, and Phil Lapis, the executive director of the Connecticut Brewers Guild. Wow, awesome. um, I ran into them when I bought the beer. They were doing like the launch party because Aspetuck is the first brewery to put out their version of it. So I was able to pull them aside and get a couple uh, messages from them. So why don't we hear what they have to say? So I'm Peter Coles from Aspetuck Brew Lab. Um, thanks for coming by to pick up some undivided IPA. Uh, this is uh, an open source beer project that we've rolled out across the state of Connecticut. Um, we built the base recipe, uh, base IPA. We used four different hops, Citra, Mosaic, Azaka, and we threw in some Galaxy as well on the dry hop. And um, the, the, the crux of this beer is that the benefit is the Connecticut Brewers Guild. We've had a tough year. Uh, the guild is really essential to our growth moving forward and really has no revenue source right now. Mm-hmm. And we saw this as a group of breweries to come together, undivided, stand together, and build our industry stronger than ever moving forward in the state of Connecticut. So um, over the next couple of weeks and months, you'll see a lot of different versions of undivided. We've already got 19 or 20 breweries across the state signed on for the project. And um, it's a great time to be a beer drinker in Connecticut. You can be, <laughs> yeah. be able to taste all these, uh, all these different uh, versions of the beer. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so thanks, Pete, from Aspetuck for sharing that with us. And then here's uh, Phil from the Brewers Guild. I'm uh, Phil Pappas, executive director of the Connecticut Brewers Guild, uh, the leading trade association that oversees all of Connecticut breweries. Um, we're excited to uh, have Peter from Aspetuck and 20-plus uh, breweries um, jumping on with our Undivided IPA series. Uh, open beer source uh, project that we got going on uh, to help our guild in its recovery from COVID-19. Um, we're super excited to have so many breweries on board supporting us and uh, spreading the message and uh, just kind of standing undivided uh, together as we move forward uh, in our reopening phases and uh, getting people back out into the Connecticut brewery scene. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, you know, it was cool talking to you for a little bit. You know, I know it was a big day for you. and This has been a big project for you. Um, but yeah, so we have the beer here, 
and uh, let's crack it open. Let's yeah, let's taste uh, this thing fresh off the uh, off the griddle. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Ooh, a little foamy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a little poppy. Yeah, a little bit. Um, cool can. So I you do know, like it. Yeah. Yeah. So their logo, you know, I follow them on Instagram and all that. The logo, you know, a lot of blue and everything, but the can has like kind of a shiny tint to it. And the state of Connecticut kind of stands out, which is pretty cool on the logo. I do like that. Um, it's like the foam, the head. Yeah. The yeah, yeah, that is true. The head of the beer. Oh, yeah, I never realized that. Yeah, yeah that is cool. true. You said 20 different breweries? Are 20 different ones? And more. More are growing. I, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I got to believe that the majority of the breweries are going to sign on for this. But, yeah, I just thought the idea was awesome and, you know, good to support breweries and yeah. the guild. It would always be cool time. to have a contest. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, we keep talking about that, but like all these different places, you know, are doing it, and then have some sort of almost like a uh, like a beer fest, you yeah, know, where you can try all the different ones. And, yeah, uh, Pete and Phil said there's about 20 breweries signed on, but when this episode drops, I I would imagine that number will grow higher, um, for sure, and uh, yeah, and every brewery gets to put their own spin on it. So classic New England IPA, yeah. look and smell, exactly, yeah. So that bit of a citrusy. Citru- yep. yep. So we're drinking uh, Ashbutuck's version of this, and a little more hoppier. Yep. Mm-hmm. A little, little bit hoppier so, than, than some of the others. Yep. Um, so they threw in some galaxy hops in the in the dry hop, which I learned dry hopping is um, after the beer is pr- pretty much brewed, mm-hmm. they just add in hops. Gotcha. And it's not fermented. They just yeah. add in hops for the extra flavor, and that's the extra hoppiness that we're tasting. Okay. Yeah, you can definitely taste that. Yeah. Um, and then their version has flavors of melon, pineapple, mango, and orange, which I can't wait to taste down the road when my taste yeah. buds come back. Kind of an unfortunate time, but whatever. Um, bright, juicy aroma and a crisp, dry finish, which it's, yeah. I think lines up with that. Um, it is. It doesn't linger too long. It's no. got that fruity flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a pineapple person. Yeah. So personally, I'm glad that it's not an overwhelming pineapple taste. You mm-hmm. really you gotta you gotta think hard to kind of taste that pineapple. It's, it yeah. doesn't stand out, mm-hmm. which for me is a positive. Um, being someone who's just not a fan of that, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you do get a little more of that orangey taste. I mean, you get a, a good citrus flavor out of it. It doesn't hang on long. Like I said, that dry, crisp kind of a, a kind of a back taste. And Definitely, I like it. It's yeah. good. Yeah, and I'm not usually um, super into the hoppier aspects of a lot of these beers but what they do with this um i think they nail it yeah um you know you you get the different layers of everything and like you said you don't really get a lot of that pineapple but you still get a bit of citrus kick to Mm -hmm. it and you can really taste the hops in the back end yeah Um, i mean you get that citrus smell right away the aroma that kind of just new england classic quintessential oh new england ipa Mm. yeah i mean i can't wait for um, other breweries to put out their versions. It'd be interesting to see because a New England IPA, and we've talked about this in the past with a lot of them, so mm-hmm. many of them start to kind of blend into one another. Yeah. Um, and we've done a few where we've said, oh, well, it's, you know, standard. You know, right. it's got this flavor. It's, it's you know, where's the X factor? And I feel like this is an opportunity for a lot of these breweries to be like, this is our X factor. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. this is what we do, our kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we've said Shabin's got their cannoli beers and different things like that. What is, what are all these breweries going to do mm-hmm. to kind of put their spin on it? Right. And uh, to correct you a little bit on the can, it says it's a uh, Connecticut India pale, uh, not just New England. 
Connecticut I don't know. only. Well, Connecticut is New England. Yeah. Well, <laughs> saying, yeah. I don't know exactly yeah. the difference between the two. But I'm going to assume that they put that because it's the yeah, Connecticut to, to support. Brewers Guild and it's Connecticut Breweries. Yeah. And I'm going to assume that's why it's a Connecticut Rooting for the home team. You yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of home team, I'm drinking this out of a uh, Hartford Whalers glass. I was like, nice. got to do it. Um, yeah, I got the fat orange cat. Yeah, so, there you right go. Out of East Hampton. Classic. Uh, I, I didn't pick my glasses today, actually. Um, my kid did. Uh-huh. I held him up to the mantle, and he picked the one. So this is a Bud Light football glass. Because he goes, ooh, Daddy, pick the football one. Because he recognized the NFL logo. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like uh, two roads. They're putting out a version, Alvarium, Thimble Island, Labyrinth, Back East. I mean, a lot of big names in the Connecticut brewery scene. And awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. And they're all coming out, um, like some are out in January, February. Others are coming out in March. So mm-hmm. hopefully this kind of lasts through and we can kind of hit them all and, Sweet. you know, go visit. And But um, the most important thing is get your hands on this because it's not only a, a good beer, but it's supporting a good cause. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the Brewers Guild works very closely with all the breweries and we all know what they've gone through th- during this time so yeah. and if you like the hops and bops podcast i mean we don't exist without connecticut breweries. Yeah. right <laughs> i know god like 75 percent of our maybe even yeah. more episodes are connecticut yep. breweries, I'm, so. I'm not drinking seltzers again so <laughs> <laughs> or bud light miller light coors light or wine <laughs> or eggnog <laughs> We've had some, uh, we've had some rough goes of it. Oh wow! <laughs> yep. Yeah, support your local breweries, especially with this, because this is a this is a really cool idea. Yeah, and a lot. really good beer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I enjoy this quite a bit for sure. We'll drink some more, actually. Yeah. What's the percentage on this? Six percent. Okay. Pretty standard. Oh, yep. Yeah. Not too crazy. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, let's. Uh, yeah, and get then into I kind album. of, uh, I kind of went a little bit into left field on this one, oh, and wild I did. purposefully. Um, this growing up, I mean, 2007, it was put out and that's the year, uh, we graduated high school and we moved on to college and I heard back when we had, uh, 106.9 CCC, Mm. um, this was, uh, their main single dance of the manatee, um, from fair to Midland was one of their big songs and they were pushed as they played at the Webster. And I honestly can't remember whether or not I saw them. Um, I'd probably have to look at my ticket board and everything I got, but, um, they were such a different band at that time for that mid to late 2000s. It wasn't quite new metal. It wasn't... Nothing else sounded like this. Um, and for me, that was awesome. And they were getting airplay in Connecticut. I was like, holy crap. Like, there's so many cool things happening. Um, and so I've done some more research. I absolutely... I have this album. I bought it. I loved it. I've it's listened... Oh, yeah. It's over <laughs> there. I've listened to. I've listened to it a million times. Um, absolutely just love these guys. Musically, they're just so talented. Yeah. There's just so much. They're so tight, and the vocalist, his range, and his ability to growl and sing, and there's so many different aspects to his voice. Complex um, compositions, too. Like Yeah, they really are. Just straightforward. They're not your standard <clears throat> songs. Um, so for me, this was kind of like, again, a wild card album, but just so good, in my opinion. Um, and they do such a good job at it. A little bit of backstory before we get into it. They have two albums before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were put out as um, unsigned. Um, so they kind of wrote and recorded and put out their own first two albums, uh, which didn't get a lot of any main... It really didn't get any mainstream play. 
um, Serge Tankian from uh, System of a Down mm-hmm. heard them right as they were about to. Uh, sorry, did I steal that from you. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. So I didn't. Know so that. right as uh, they were about to kind of give it a last shot and said, "Fuck it, we're done. We can't make this work." Serge got a hold of them and said, "Hey, I love your guys' sound." Um, which you can tell is a huge influence on the album. That's exactly um, what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, called him, signed him to his record label, and I want to say, let's count, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the 11 songs are actually off of their previous album. Oh, and really? re-recorded with Serge, with his production crew, mm-hmm. and then put out on this album, and then they also wrote five additional songs, which they put out. Um, they then only put out two albums and then they broke up and they haven't gone anywhere since. I've kind of looked cause I love the vocalist. I looked like, what's he doing now? There's not a lot going on, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, you can really hear the system of a down influence mm-hmm. yeah. that's on this album, totally. which Vocally. again, I'm a, I'm a big system of a down fan. And that was part of the push for me of like, these guys are, and I didn't learn that until just doing this research like i never yeah. looked into it before but again it just goes to show how when you hear a band and you hear another band and the influence hits how you just kind of vibe and go for it and naturally flow into wanting to to listen to it yeah um i um i put for one of my comments for one of the tracks i wrote chop suey light yeah <laughs> I, I think that was for yeah. uh, like a yeah. seafarer's knot or something mm-hmm. that's so right but yeah, yep. no, I could definitely hear the influence. And again, so they, it's so surprising to hear that yeah. he actually was, he was a, a their, big part of yeah, it. Yeah, he was who signed them for their two albums that were more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just the titles. Yeah, kinda, they're, they're super weird. They're super out there, super yeah. weird. And that's a System of a Down thing. System yep. of a Down is like, you hear some of their stuff and you're like, how did you even get that title out of the song? Yeah. Um, so even their their lyrics, if you listen to some of their lyrics, they're very out there. Like you have to really sit there and kind of what does this lyric mean to me when you listen to mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's great. It's it's an eleven song album. It's only forty two minutes. There's really no dud in it or no. I have a comment. Um, yeah. So when I was listening to this, I I used the desktop version of Spotify. Okay. So I I uh, there are two releases of this album. Are there? I did yes. not know that. So. On the other release that I heard first, Dance of the Manatee has this opening where it's super droney and like uh, throat uh, singing. Uh, uh, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the one I've listened to. Yeah. There's two versions. Oh, so on, on the okay. other one, they get rid of that completely and just start at the normal really? part of the song. Yeah. It's, it's four minutes and 11 seconds on one of them. This one's 529. Interesting. So they just cut that out. And then they also... Um, Do they cut out the end of Say the When? The end of Say When, yeah. Which is two oh. notes I made I could have done without exactly. the intro and the outro. I, well, I actually I, I uh, enjoy the, the throat singer vibe intro. It was, it was very unexpected because mm, mm. um, I'd had no prior knowledge of the band. Right. But I went back and listened to it on, the, on my phone because I was working, I was driving, I was listening to it, and it just wasn't there. That's very it, interesting. It was very weird because... I just didn't know what happened to it. I was like, huh. does this just not exist? Was I, was you, I yeah. tripping out when I was listening to the original so, one? See discography. So I'm actually looking now on Amazon. There's, yeah, so the there's the regular version of it, and then there's a second, Yeah. which you're right. Is a, it's a bit longer in the, it's a bit the longer. intro outro. Interesting. It's actually, yeah, it's 45 minutes, so it's a little bit longer. 
And it doesn't say bonus. It doesn't no. say anything. They, they're it's the just same literally name. two different. 11 songs, 45 minutes. I'm sure, I'm assuming it's like the radio edit. And 11 yeah. song, if I go 42 to... minutes. So it's a three minute difference in the entire thing, but it's two separate releases. Yeah, because the, the original, uh, their like most popular song is Dance of the Manatee. Yes, that was their um, big single. But yeah, that's the radio edit of it. Oh, Weird part that. is too, they were released on the exact same date. So there's no difference in release date. There's no difference in tracking. There's no difference yeah. in title. It's, it's simply it, a three-minute difference. It's weird that they would release the album a completely different version by just taking out the intro and the outro. Yeah. Like, yeah. why not just release mm-hmm. Dance of the Manatee, radio edit, you know, mm-hmm. say when, radio yeah. edit. I, I, I enjoy the Dance of the Manatee intro a bit better than the Say When outro. I could have done without that. Mm. but I, I can mean, agree with you on that. Yeah. If I want to go back and re-listen to it, mm-hmm. I would still want to do the radio edit because yeah. you can only listen to so many times. But yeah. it, it, it put out a good vibe, you know? Like, it was it was very spacey and out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also led into this really punchy intro mm-hmm. for the uh, the actual song. Yeah. Um, it was a very different vibe. Um I personally disagree with Mike a little bit. I'm not a big fan of the vocalist. Really? I think he has different styles of singing. I enjoy his lighter singing mm-hmm. on like the beginning of Dance of the Manatee. Um, but when he's pushing himself in that chorus, it's very whiny for me. Okay. And um, his growls are not that great for me personally. Um, I will agree with that. Yeah, he's yeah. not the best when it comes to that big... Yeah, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah, I, I thought mean, that was kind of... It fits the song, in my opinion. I'm also used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I do agree. It's not like a Corey Taylor, no, where he just has all. such a great growl and then such a great voice and is able to do both so well. Yeah. Um, he definitely struggles a little bit with the growl, but I also don't hate it. You know what I, Does that make sense? Yeah. I actually agree with Tom... Yeah. Um, to the T. Um, I didn't like the bridge of that song, which is where that section yeah. is. I, I just thought his growling was kind of uh, kind of C list. You kind know, of like it, 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 it's not quite what yeah. other bands do, and yeah. kind of forced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think he he shines on his low end. I think his high end is where he shines. The the higher end vocals and like uh, mid range too. He can hit the notes. Yeah. But his the the way he does it the uh the presence on there mm. it seems like he's pushing a bit too much for yeah. me but i mean you know he hits them well but it's yeah it's just the pronunciation i think he, if he gets some vocal lessons and hones that talent in i think he would be a fantastic singer but mm. yeah just uh not not for me i actually i know we're talking a lot about this one song but the bass drum needs to be more present uh, okay because that oh, yeah. first punch after that intro, like all I hear is cymbals and the instruments. Like mm-hmm. you need that low end, you need that, you need that punch. Mixed a little bit better to kind of go along with what you said, Tom. I I kind of wrote all in my notes like the production and the mixing, I thought were kind of lacking, and it made them sound like a, a second rate band. And yeah, it was inconsistent. Yeah, um, and it was kind of unfortunate because they're very talented musicians. They they have some complex and intricate parts. Yeah, but we'll get we'll get into that throughout the album. Yeah, yeah so "Dance of the Manatee" was their first single off yeah. of this, and uh, it's their biggest hit as ter- in terms yeah. of plays on Spotify, at least. Yeah, yeah, I feel like for seven sure. million, um, which is pretty good. Get some more undivided here. 
Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is a good beer, though. Yeah, it's um, good. This. Like I said, their story's kind of cool. They started in '98. Okay. Didn't put out this album until 2007. 2007. Um, they started recording it in '06. Um, from '98 to '05, they just kind of they were from Texas and they just kind of didn't do much. They were playing like local Texas scene. They put out two unsigned, like personally released albums. Yep. Didn't really have any big catch. And then um, they received a call from. They were, they were talking about breaking up, and, and Serge got a hold of them and said, hey, listen, I like what you've got, and I want to produce you guys. So then they put out uh, Fables from a Mayfly and then Arrows and Anchors, um, and that was after that release in, I think, 2012 or 11. Yeah, that was um, it. Then they broke up, and that was kind of the end of it, which doesn't surprise me because they're not a mainstream style type of music. No. Um, you're not going to hear them on any mainstream, you know, I think they'd actually do better now with like stuff like Octane and those serious stations. Yeah, they probably would have more of a push and actually be more successful. And just um, streaming, like and just streaming people in listen general. to anything. No, um, it's not. What's back in that you know mid two thousands, that wasn't there, and I don't think they're a band that's going to get a lot of airplay on just FM radio, and therefore probably had them struggle quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just glad I heard them. Like I said, I really liked them. I thought it was a great start to the album, Dance of the Manatee. It's just kind of a kicking the balls like let's mm-hmm. go this is what the album's gonna be and mm-hmm. honestly i didn't think it really until say when i don't think there really was a point where you lost that feel in the album yeah i no. thought it was a pretty rock push go 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 album most mm-hmm. of the way um it really hits every aspect that the band was looking to showcase yeah right in that one song and then continued through when I first heard the intro, I was like, I stole a line from Tom. I said it, it sounded very 2007. Okay. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> I like, I there's a lot of bands. <laughs> there's a lot of bands in that era that yep. just kind of had that sound, but it didn't take or it took me to listen to the rest of the album to really realize how different they are from mm-hmm. the bands in that era. I mean, th- like I said, they're just so complex, and the song titles and the compositions of the songs really. Yeah made them stand out so i kind of backtracked on that uh line when i you know yep. as the album progressed um so kyla cries cologne yeah uh, no no oh i love the piano in this song can i just say right now the x factor of this band in this album is the piano in my opinion yeah, yeah. i like no i can't think it's of another band sin, at this point it's no. not organ it's piano i love it's it and brain. a lot of times it's the prominent instrument in the song uh, and I love it, and I think this is a great example of it. I love the piano in this song. Um, and then how the piano and drums lock in uh, throughout mm-hmm. the song, and the guitars kind of complement them instead. Yeah. Especially when that verse starts, I, I love that feeling. Um, and I, I also like the ending, how it just stops. Like, yeah. Like, you know, and you have to really think, like, is this song over? I, I really yeah. like that. Soaring vocals, I thought this mm-hmm. was a much better vocal performance than uh, maybe the intro the first song they're just a very tight band though Mm -hmm. yeah like everything is so just really honed into one another yeah um i just thought personally uh the this song was too similar to the opening Mm. okay Okay. they're pretty much in the same key you could like sing the chorus of one while the other one's playing and you're not going to get a crazy amount of difference Mm -hmm. um i mean it's still punchy in the the driven verses were okay um the the lyricism on this album though is not that great at all um also kind of um i know you mentioned this before but really weird 
uh, track names. Yes. Yes. Very yeah. strange. Yeah. Do any of them have anything to do with the lyrics? I, I didn't really I listen lyrically so. to this much. Um, but yeah, you know, I liked the song. I thought it had a good drive to it. Again, I'm a big fan of his voice and kind of that airy out there. He's got that high going down to low. Like he's he's got a hell of a range, and you know, I, I'm just very impressed by his vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the, yeah, and that piano too is just something yeah. so different. Yep. Uh, then next, vice versa. Um, I'd like to do a little bit of an experiment for this song. Yeah. Okay. If you listen to the beginning of Vice Versa, those okay. guitars, yep. they sound exactly like the Machine Gun Kelly cover of Misery Business. Ooh. They almost, almost to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I no, thought that was true. just like very interesting to mm-hmm. hear those kind of connections, especially since we, uh, yep. we did that one yeah. previously. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought it was decent. Um, the the vocals on the the verses, he kind of sounded like he was doing like a sting impression to me, <laughs> like this kind of this this spacier, uh, like mid '90s, 2000s R and B style. But but um, yeah, musicianship was pretty decent on this. I uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought this was a solid rock song. You know, just a good rock track. Yeah, I, I thought by now, I think I think the singer kind of proved himself. Um, and uh, I appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, again, out there vocals, or lyric-wise, mm-hmm. um, but tight drums. Um, so one thing I did mention, I, I kind of wrote a little side note on this from doing a little bit of research. They had two different writing processes. So prior to being with Serge, the writing process was one of the guys would write a song, he'd write a riff, he'd write the lyrics, he'd write something, and then everybody would kind of write their parts to it. Um, And then once they got into the studio with Serge and his production team, they kind of forced them to write songs together. Um, They would kind of all write their parts in unison as a whole rather than as individuals. And this is how the album kind of made itself happen because they said they, they were hitting a lot of roadblocks before. Guy just couldn't figure out a part to fit to this song because they were writing them all separate. Um, so it was kind of cool to to see that. And honestly, I think you could feel it in the album. Everything flowed and was so tight and they were so um, in unison with one another um, that when I read that, I was like, ooh, that makes a lot of sense. I can actually feel that in the actual album itself. Um it's not easy to write such complex parts and make them sound so smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of cool to listen to that. Um, was this one of the ones that they wrote specifically for this album? or was No, this... actually. this was So 1, 2, and 3 all were written on the previous album called Interfunda Stifle. <laughs> Interfunda Stifle. <laughs> yeah. Das Mut. Um, <laughs> so yeah. then what were the originals for this so album? the originals off of this album were uh like wife kids and a picket fence white picket fence april fools and the eggman wolf descends upon tall tales taste like sour grapes <coughs> say when oh, okay. those were the five songs that were written specifically for this album mm. interesting hmm. yeah I like that. Yeah, um, that is pretty cool. And speaking of the first one written for this album, um, a Wife, Kid, and a White Picket Fence, um, had a very like epic feel, in my opinion. 
Yeah, it was I very wrote, big. I wrote grand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I think they were going for. Um, the lyrics were pretty interesting. I thought the vocal melodies were very catchy. Um, and I, I, I did like where they went with this song, yeah. Yeah. personally. Yeah. I thought this sounded like a good, like, arena song. Like, I can hear this, you know, live in concert. Yes. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I wrote the uh, the intro had a very uh, airy verse. It, it sounded very, like, a... I related to like Snow Patrol or like the Fray. Okay. Oh, very, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like this is the most radio friendly of the, uh, yeah. the track so far. It's in that three four time. Yeah. It's one of the better songs vocally. I know I shit on his mm. vocals a bit in the beginning, <laughs> but um, I feel like he shines a lot more on this track, and yep. the the build up to the end has a lot of good pacing, and I think the song comes together pretty well. Yeah. Yep. I love the intro though, with that little bit of piano, and then the drums and guitar just come in. Yeah. And... That's that's what reminded me of like that. Yeah. Fray almost like. It's a little slower. Yeah. And that pre-chorus, too. And it kind of, like, stops, and then vocals yep. come in. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty it's good just... falsetto, too. Yeah. Then we got uh, April Fools and Eggman. What are these title tracks? I don't know, are these... but I love this oh, song. Great song. From the, the drum fill into the guitar... It makes me want to just go like fucking run or yeah, like it's a jam song. Yeah, you just go. This rocks. This yep. song rocks. And then when the verse kicks in, it's just like, like shuffle, shuffle, like kind of just intricate parts, not just your straight yeah. groove. And, and that guitar, da na And I think that's what vocals come in with that high part. And that's what I think. That's what sets these guys apart from other bands in that time. So like, yeah, it might have began with Dance of the Manatee for me. And it sounds very 2007. Yeah. By now, it's like, all right, they're kind of defining their yeah. own sound. Yeah. Um, I, I love, the again, the piano and the verses. Yep. I thought the vocals were really cool on this. And for this, this song, at, at this point in the album, I kind of got like a Manor James Keenan yep. vibe from A Perfect Circle. Not so much from Tool. Okay. Yeah. But when he was in A Perfect Circle, the band... His vocals, I kind of got that vibe from from them and him. Yeah. Um, and from here on out, I kind of saw that in a couple other songs. But I love this song. Great song. Tom? I don't really have a lot to say about it. <laughs> I'm going to say both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, uh, I actually prefer the next track a mm, lot more. Is I not. love the Seafair is Not. This is the one that I noted was very chop suey light. Yes. I could see well, that intro. I, yeah, exactly. I can also hear on the verses, I could hear Sir just going, feeding seeds as a pest. <laughs> like there's one of those little, uh, little vocal riffs sounds very similar. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I like, though, how it goes so heavy yes. to like kind of light. Yep. And then. To heavy, and like, it's just such a cool dynamic that back and forth. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And again, vocals are great in it, in my opinion. Yeah, um, he doesn't he doesn't try too hard on the vocals. Yeah. This is the one where he sticks to his guns a bit more, mm-hmm. and I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, just a, again, another good song. This was actually on a previous album yeah. that they re-released for this. Um, and then you have a wolf uh, wolf descends upon. Uh, what mm-hmm. the hole is it? Wolf the descends Spanish upon Spanish Sahara. Sahara. I didn't write all the... It was too long, so totally I didn't write them all out. Um, spacey, kind of airy feel with the guitar. <laughs> That's exactly um, what I wrote. Yeah. Um, although the choruses are heavier, which yeah. is cool. I, I do think they do a really good job with the dynamic of 
heavy yeah. to clean to kind of chill with that piano, mm-hmm. light guitar, airy guitar, heavy guitar. They just they bounce around a lot, which could be like kind of confusing, but I think they do a really good job of making it flow well. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this and the last one were kind of just okay songs for me. Yeah. I, I didn't really have much to say. Yeah, um, I, I wrote that his vocal style isn't really fit for this track, but it was still fine. Um, this track specifically reminds me of, um, I don't know if you remember when we did um, the Stocking Stuffers episode, we did mm-hmm. a, a Hail the Sun song. Yes, yes. Yeah, this song reminds me of a, a track off of that album. Okay, week. cool. Yeah. So yep. definitely uh, an album we'll be doing in the future, but awesome. it, it, it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, he's got kind of like that throaty, airy... It's not a falsetto, but sounds kind of falsetto. Like exactly. I can understand where like it's not his strong point. But then he gets into those. Whoa! Mm-hmm. I think he actually does better with that because he gets more of that chest in it and kind of belts it out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he definitely improves upon the vocals at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got Walls of Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the intro to this song. It was kind of yeah. like yeah. Kind of funky. That yeah. slap bass. Yeah, yeah I, I like enjoyed the, that. It kind of the vocals are cool too. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, but then the it kind of went back and forth for me as terms yeah. of the whole song. Like, you know, I like that intro, but then it kind of lost me in the verse a little bit, and chorus is kind of. But um, I just love how tight they are. They're a tight band. Yeah, they, they were, really are. They were yeah. a tight were. band. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. When he goes high, though, in that song, I thought he did a good job hitting those notes and really kind of displaying oh, his, yeah, in that chorus, yeah. his vocals in the, yeah, in the chorus. Um, it was actually one of my more coveted tracks on the album. I really did like that song. Mm. I just re-listened to the, that part where he goes really high yeah. on the vocals. Yeah, and he's got, yeah. it's him twice, you can see him kind yeah, of play yeah. it over, and he, I think he does a good job filling it in and, and yeah. really hitting that get, high note. I'll give him credit for that, uh, but yeah, no. The high note's still a bit too whiny for me. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who's such a stickler for vocals like yeah. me, it's it you have to be on point yeah. when you hit that. When you yeah. go, when you do it. And I get it, it because yeah. like you, I'm not gonna put him in the same range as these vocalists, but I understand when you talk about like a Getty Lee or like yes. a um uh, Bruce Dickinson from mm-hmm. uh, Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, I get it. Because even them, when I first listened to them a few times, I was kind of like, oh, man, those high notes are a little tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've grown to enjoy them overall yeah. um, as vocalists. But I can understand where someone like this, who's possibly even kind of going a little higher than those guys are yeah. in some situations, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and no... it's impressive that he can do it. Mm-hmm. But I understand where there's almost a point where as a male vocalist, when you go too high, there's no yep. almost nothing you can do personally in general. Yeah. It's just too high. And no disrespect at all. No. Like, if you can hit those notes, then God bless you. Hit yeah. those notes. But no, I get what you're saying. You gotta shape it. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just be able to say, you know, this is a, a note on a piano I can hit, yeah. and then I will do it. Right. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a certain character and shape to your throat and your mouth yeah. when you sing. That you know, has those characteristics to oh, yeah. it. I'd be curious personally, again, I, I'm i not 100% sure if I've seen them live as bad as that sounds. I'm really not because I like... Said that in another episode too. Yeah, I've always wanted to see... Well, that was Seven Dust. I, them, I'm pretty sure I saw. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I just edited one where you're like, oh, I can't remember. If I yeah, I've seen a lot of shows. Um, I can't remember. I've always wanted to see them live. But I, I'd be curious to see vocally how that 
translates to a live show because Mm -hmm. that's just so high and so powerful like can he hit it can it sound as strong as it should sound Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting then we have uh, Tall Tales Taste Like Sour Grapes Grapes. I did like the string intro yeah I Um, I said the same thing too I thought it was cool this is their second single off the album really yep um and the guitar comes in, it's a hundred percent system of a down. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um so you could this is where like even you could hear it on uh, I forget the song you said it was Chuck. The Seafarer's Knots. Yeah. You can hear it on that. This, in my opinion, is the one song where like if you had to pick one song that was like, hey, System of a Down wrote this, you guys play it, this was it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Which was cool because this was unlike a Seafarer's Knot, which was written before Serge. This is actually written with his him. That makes sense. So now, after I it's like a hundred percent in my opinion. Sister without. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna read my my notes verbatim for this one. I said every time I expect a slower ballad, I am rudely mistaken. This one sounds very derivative. <laughs> rudely. <and laughs> this one sounds very derivative and predictable for the track list. Uh, it wasn't really envelope pushing or ahead of the curb, and I'm starting to get tired of mid two thousands chord driven rock music. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that came up a no, little... Uh, no. On this song, I can kind of feel that. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it was like right around Walls of Jericho, like I'd say halfway through that, I was like, okay, I get I get the album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then the next song kind of redeemed it for me. I love this song. Upgrade Brigade. Brig, by up, grade. Upgrade Brigade. Is it? Oh, yeah. it is. I thought it was by grade. Oh. Whoops. Brigade. Brigade. Um... This song kicks ass from beginning to end mm-hmm. to me. Great rock song. And if you listen closely, it has killer keys still. Uh, I just think it's the X factor for that band. Um, and I like the, the pre-chorus section specifically in this song. Um, yeah. yeah, I really liked it. It was a very big song. Yeah. Um, again, uh, definitely a system of a downfeel. Yeah. Um, especially with the drums and guitar and the way they played together. Um, although I thought that Fair to Midland kind of throws in a little more melodic of a chorus than you'd get from like a System of a Down. Mm-hmm. Serge is a very interesting vocalist, to say the least, and this brings in more of kind of that melody, in my opinion, um, which is where they differed. But again, and this was off one of their earlier albums as well, um, the album before. So I, I liked it. It was a good song. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, we have Say When. Mm-hmm. Um, which we've talked about a lot already, but the song itself, um, I thought it was a really cool way to end the album. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about a lot of albums that have a different song than the rest of it to kind of end it. Yeah. And I thought this one worked pretty well. It was, it, for me, it, it like build, it built sonically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It started off like really low and kind of dark and then it built up and the, ba- the band came in. Um, yeah. Um, I thought it was one of the best sections on the album for the band. It kind of showcased them instrumentally. Yeah, it was the best closing track they could have done, I think. And this song specifically sounds exactly like another Hail the Sun track, so I wonder if they were kind of influenced by that or not. But Yeah, yeah, like we mentioned before, the drone outro on the extended version was pretty nice, though I think I prefer the shorter one. Yeah. Because I don't want to keep listening to that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah, no. I never heard the extended outro Mm -hmm. um, until just today. Um, personally, the album is so go, go, go. 
I have to disagree with both of you, and I think I wish this was somewhere in the middle mm. to kind of break up the album yeah, I can and see then that. end on a high note. Sure. Yeah. Um, I thought that with the album having its slow portions, but overall every song pretty much kind of had that push and that drive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that this was just kind of an out of nowhere way to end it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you're listening to this album, you're grooving to it, you know, I'm working out, I got this thing going, and all of a sudden, sudden Say When comes on, and it's just a very slow end. True, yeah. I actually love the song. It's a great song. Yeah. I don't like, personally, the placement. Mm. And for someone who's listened to this album and kind of, like, throughout my entire, I, again, 2007 is when I heard it and got it right as it came out and listened to it and heard it on the radio and all this stuff, um kind of a nostalgic thing for me i really really love this album personally um this was like my only kind of eh with the album is i wish this song was somewhere else because in my opinion the vibe was just so great and then it just kind of ended slow Mm -hmm. um i wish it was in the middle where it's kind of a break and kind of broke maybe first half second half and then still ended on that upbeat yeah um, maybe like end the album with the upgrade brigade yeah, um, and then put say when somewhere up maybe like after wife kids in a in a picket fence yeah. or something like that yeah. would have just kind of broken the album up a little bit and then ended on that kind of a, yeah. a banger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Favorites, least favorites. Dark sleepy horses. <laughs> right, let's My do it. favorite. Um, first song I ever heard by them really got me into them. I know it's their first single, kind of like. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's their first single, but is what it is. Dance of the Manatee. I love that song. I've been that was the first song I've heard by them, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was a great way to begin an album too. It just showcased every single piece of the band and what you should expect from the remainder of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I went with the Seafair is not. I thought um, for all the reasons I said before, mm-hmm. you know that style of mimicking um, uh, System of a Down. I thought the vocals were the best with what he could have done, mm-hmm. and um, the instrumentation was really nice. Uh, what were the singles on this album? Not that singles oh, always matter. Tall Tales but... and Dance of the Manatee? Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> Not in that order. Um, I actually didn't really prefer those songs at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like Dance of the Manatee. W- uh, the, what was it? Tall Tales? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was surprised that was a single. Yeah. I think there's way more better songs on this album than they chose for singles. Yeah. So my top track I chose is April Fools and Eggman. I okay. love that song. Yep. Um, I, that's going on my playlist. I I, I love it. it. It's a kick in the ass for sure. Um, yeah, top track. Um, my bottom track, Tom. I'm sorry. I went with Seafarers Not. Okay. Okay. Um, it, it, I just didn't really connect with it as well. There weren't really many parts in that song that I connected with more so than other tracks. It's not that it was a bad song. It wasn't a bad song. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of liked it the least out of all the other songs. So that's what I went with. I'm hurt, but it's fine. <laughs> I went with uh, "Say When," and I literally wrote only my last because of its placement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. I personally would like that song a lot. I thought it was a great song. Um, again, I guess you can say bias, whatever you want to put out there. I really didn't have a bad song on this album. Very hard for me to pick a last, and I picked that one because of its placement. Um, if it was in the middle, then I might have even went with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I went with uh, Tall Tales, Tastes Like Sour Grapes. Um, yeah. It's just where the album showed uh, its weaknesses to me. Mm-hmm. It's where the, the sound started to wear a bit on me. 
and uh, the vocals were not as lined up as nice as I wanted them to be. Okay. Um, but, sense. I mean, you know, it's fine. Uh, sleepy, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I actually almost say one. I, uh, I enjoyed the stylistic change-up that this uh, track provided, and um, I thought it was one of the best closers that they could have done. So. Mm-hmm. so it took me a while for me to decide like which one was my top and then what was my dark horse. Mm-hmm. So I have oh. three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyla cries cologne, mm-hmm. upgrade brigade, and vice versa. I thought we're all worthy of mentioning. It's a very sleepy album for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a quarter of it. Well, no, like this was such a wild card album for me. I didn't know what Good. to, yeah, to mention. Good. Or, I didn't know what to expect. Mike, you you had talked to them about them a lot, and I just never mm-hmm. like. All right, I'm gonna. They're one try of those bands for me that like I'll listen to this album like four or five times, and mm-hmm. then I won't listen for like a year or two, yeah. and then I'll go back to this album and be like, "Fuck yeah, I love this album," yeah. <laughs> and then I won't listen for a year or two, and then I'll go back. So right. it's just <laughs> such a, it's like a, it's like a nostalgic kind of yeah album yeah. for me. I fall yeah. back on it all yeah. the time. So like for me, those four songs, my top track and my three dark horses, I thought were. Yeah. Great songs I pulled away from it. So, Good. yeah, check them out. Um, for me, my sleeper was Walls of Jericho. I love that heavy mm. kind of funk slap bass intro. I yep. thought that the bass, the drums, and the synth all really played well together. Um, and then I really liked the vocals, too. I thought it was a cool song overall, the vocals and the chorus. Mm-hmm. He went pretty high, and I thought he did well with it. Um, it was just a very different song, and I, I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. All right, uh, do you rate it? it? Yeah, let's do it. Well, you guys know already. I love this album. Um, I gave it four bops. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's one of my go-to's if I'm looking for just a rock album that just kicks and it's a little different. Like this is one of my go-to albums. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I was uh, pretty middle of the road on it. It wasn't one of my favorites, but it definitely had its moments. Uh, for me personally, it wasn't really envelope pushing or game changing, but it had a style and it stuck to it pretty well. Um, I probably won't be, uh, returning to it anytime soon though. Uh, the singing varied very wildly for me. It was definitely the weakest part of the album for me. Mm. Um, you know, the low growls were kind of funny at points. Yeah, um, makes sense. the high, the high notes while he could hit them didn't have that, that timbre. Um, his lighting was definitely the best, but in terms of the whole album experience, it's something that bugs you for a long time. So, I was pretty middle of the road, gave it a two and a half out of five. Okay. Um, the rest of the band was pretty fine, but again, it's not something that made me uh, uh, didn't register well with me. Higher than I expected from you, to be honest. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after, no, no, just after our conversation, like yeah. that's higher than I expected. They, yeah, there, there cool. are definitely tracks that I really enjoyed on. Yeah. It, but um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So for me, like I mentioned, total wild card band, didn't see it coming. However. I, you know, I know Surge was behind it from uh, System mm-hmm. of a Down, but I, I thought the production and the mixing made them sound like an amateur band. Um, it made them sound like second rate. Like the, the inconsistencies with the drums and the mixing kind of, some instruments were louder than others and the singing kind of wasn't level. I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me um, with that. And I, I just thought they, as a band, deserved a better production and better mixing for the album. Um, so I gave this a three and a half. I was surprised. I, I got a lot of songs out of this that I liked and I talked about, I didn't know what I was, um, Mm -hmm. getting into and I liked it three and a half. I'll probably listen to most of the album again. Awesome. Thanks Mike. No, uh, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. What are we feeling on undivided? Undivided. 
The beer, yes. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the purpose behind it, and it's a, a solid IPA. Uh, I can't wait to taste it when my taste buds come back fully. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. I think it's a solid IPA, and I love the message behind it. So uh, get your hands on it for sure. And, you know, this is this is the Aspatuck brew of it, yeah. Brew Lab. So, you know, a shit ton of other breweries in Connecticut are going to brew their version of it. So, you know, everyone's going to be different. So um, get your hands on it wherever you are. Um, yeah, I like the concept. I think it's awesome. I really am interested to taste other versions of it and mm-hmm. see kind of what these different breweries kind of put their spin on. Um, this one specifically, I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. And the only reason was middle of the road. I mean, it tasted like a New England IPA. There was nothing that really set it aside from any other New England IPA. Um, they, I believe they said they were the reason, they're the base yeah, right. Aspatuck and, and the Brewers and Guild, Guild work together work on the, together on the to base recipe. The base. So from that aspect, it makes 100% sense. Like, yeah. this is the base. Yeah. Um, it's a New England IPA, not super crazy, nothing special. Because, I mean, you get something that's super crazy and super out there. Um, it's going to be hard to put your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. This is a very, you know, basic New England IPA. It's got its base level, and now... Everyone else can kind of go out and and put their twist on it. Yeah. Um, but as for that base, I mean, I give it a, a three. It's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pretty much said exactly what I was going to say, <laughs> including my rating of a three. <laughs> Down to the word almost. Wow. <laughs> like, I enjoy the message. I enjoy, <laughs> I, I enjoy you know, the, the story behind it, how, mm-hmm. you know, it's supporting the, the guild and everything. And, you know, it's the baseline, yeah, you know. Is. You know, what you're going to add on to it is the X Factor. You know? Yeah. So I'd like to see what they do. Everything yeah. you said, three, three out of five. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, shout out who we talked about. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I didn't look up anything for the band only because do they have anything at this I, point? I did. Okay. Cause, cool. Cause I, that's yours. You're that's, the social media That's guy. my, my, yeah. my <laughs> realm. They're not on Instagram. I would assume. They do not have a website. The domain is for sale, by the way. So if you'd like to buy fairmidland.com, you can. In case they come back, we could be the reason we're rich off their reunion tour. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Would we? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they are on Facebook. Okay. Uh, So for the moms out there. uh, Shout out to the moms. Shout out to the moms. But what's interesting was (laughs) I searched for them on Facebook, (laughs) and I found their Facebook. But then on that page... In the in their post, it said go check out our official Facebook. So I clicked on Ooh. that link, and it led me to another Facebook page, and that's their page. That's yeah. So it's kind of hard to get well, in touch with them, but they they're don't not really a band exist anymore. anymore. Yeah. So they stopped playing in right. 2013. Right. That was eight years ago. <laughs> but their music is on all the streaming yeah, services. Of so um, you know, check this album out, and you know, give their other albums a shot. Um, as for the beer, check out Aspatuck Brew Lab on Instagram. Um, so they're 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 very they're small. They're not okay. like a huge yeah. brewery. They're more of a tasting room that brews. Um, mm. So they're they're in a really cool area in Bridgeport called the Black Rock section. Um, I grew up in that area, so I know the area very well. Um, and it, it's up and coming. Lots of cool restaurants and bars, and them there too. Um, so go check them out. They have some lo- a lot of great beers. Maybe we'll have to uh, hit one of their yeah specific not. Necessarily the guild, like right, but one, one of their, of their specific, yeah. maybe uh, 
I did look. It seemed like they went through kind of a rebranding thing. All okay. their beer labels look like uh, the periodic table of elements. Like every beer name has a square with oh, the okay. letters and the abbreviation, or the instead of like how many atoms, it's like the percentage. And yeah, it was cool, like a cool like that branding cool. kind yeah. of thing. Maybe we uh, hit one of theirs and see if they want to come join us. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then I also want to shout out uh, the Brewers Guild. So yep. CT Brewers Guild on Instagram. Um, they're on Facebook as well. Um, all they do is support Connecticut breweries, and they do a great job. And they're always at events. I've seen Phil at other events, like trivia events and things like that. So um, give them some support. Follow them to see what other breweries are going to release Undivided. Yeah, that's um, really cool. Yeah. So wherever you are in the state, there's breweries all over that are going to release a version of this. So uh, check them out to see who is uh, going to be doing that. So Yeah. Awesome. yeah there you go. What do we got next week? We got episode 23. 23. Michael Jordan. Wow. He's Jordan. We got Michael Jordan. Wow. Actually, we do have a guest, though. We do. Um, This is another producer's pick. This is a producer's pick, yes. Um, So one of my my good friends and college roommates for two years, Paul, uh, if you remember all the way back to episode six, where he did Thriller, we mentioned this guy called Paul Canarchy. Paul Canarchy. (laughs) It's not his last name, but... uh, (laughs) He uh, he posted a, a a reaction to it that I think we put on social media. A while yes, ago. Yeah. So um, he's a big music fan, and I really wanted him to to uh, be on the podcast because we are doing a very special album. We're doing Moving Pictures by Rush. He is oh. a huge Rush fan. I cannot okay. wait. So he will have a lot to say about that. Oh, the, the holy and, trinity. And music. also, I gave him the opportunity to bring his own beer because he's from Rhode Island. Oh. So, um, yeah. So he will be bringing a Rhode Island beer. That he has not told me yet. Is it so, Narragansett? It might be. Honestly. Summer Shandy? Summer Shandy. Honestly, maybe. <laughs> In March. <laughs> yeah, so um, he's going to be bringing that. We're going to have a, a good talk about uh, some good Rush songs. Oh, so. can't wait. Excited. Can't wait. I can be the uh, oof on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like Rush, but they're not my favorite. Yeah, That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. More on that. Sweet. Next episode, we're just moving right along here, guys. We're, we're having a ton of fun. We hope you guys are, are having fun as well. Um, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Hops and Bobs Podcast. We're always streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. We'll see you next time. I'm Joe. Mike. Tom. See ya. Peace.